it's like 10 or 20 years down the track. It's like, yeah, I had an ankle sprain when I was 16. But that untreated ankle sprain, range of motion reduced, the sort of awareness of your ankle is one thing, but like you said, the, the things that happen at the knee, the hip and like the lower back because of that ankle sprain, they can take years to really pop up. Mm-hmm. And then it's, again, you're not about treating a root cause per se, it's just about, you need to understand that if you have someone you're treating a lower back or a hip or something, that they had an ankle sprain 10, 20 years ago, it can be very important. Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast hosted by your soulmates from the Foot Collective. I'm Jim, and here at TFC, we're on a mission to empower humans to restore their natural health and function from the ground up so they can explore movement and life with freedom and confidence. This week, I'm back with Tom to explore the concept of ankle sprains, which are one of the most common injuries in the lower limb, but are often the least well-managed. So throughout the episode, we discuss what an ankle sprain actually is, as well as other injuries that may come along with or even be confused with an ankle sprain. We go through the current best practice for managing an acute sprain. Spoiler, it's not the rice method. And we also explore what kinds of strategies you should focus on in your rehab process, whether you've just had an ankle sprain or if you've ever had one in the past. Now, if you are struggling to make progress in your rehab with an ankle sprain or an injury or anything in the lower limb, really, please feel free to reach out as we can either help you directly with our online consultations or programs, or we can point you in the right direction of other practitioners or resources that can help you. If you find value in this episode or any of our other episodes, then you can support us by sharing it out with your family and friends to help us spread the word. And also by leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to share a story from our community. Jenny is a member of our Explorer program. Hello, fellow trekkers. I started the trek with daily pain in my right heel from plantar fasciopathy. Although there has been a small decrease in the level of pain, I definitely have improved the function of both my feet. I also feel more mobile in the hip area and getting up and down off the floor, squatting is so much easier than it used to be. My balance has improved and I move better just overall. And I've noticed this in my yoga classes. The treks helped because exercises really help you build a solid foundation and strengthen all the areas of the lower body and the feet. And then, of course, there's the great community support. And for me, coming across podiatrist Sandy Bright in the community has been a game changer because I've been really unhappy with the advice I've been getting from my previous podiatrist to stick with my orthotics, even though I kept telling them I felt really unstable. But now I'm working with him. He can target the real specific strengthening exercises for my particular foot issues. And I'm really looking forward to making great progress down the track. Speaking of which, the constant reinforcement of being patient on the trek was really important. I think a lot of us push ourselves to the point of injury to get quick results, but I've really learned to take a step back and listen to my body and respond appropriately. I think other people should do the trek because you are given all the tools and information to work out for yourself what your body needs, which is so empowering. There's nothing to lose, by seeing where this takes you as every level is catered for in the exercises. And you can take pleasure from seeing improvements and learning new ways of moving along with a group of like-minded people. If you're like Jenny and have a specific foot or ankle condition, issues up the chain at your knees, hips or back, or just want to improve your overall movement health, the Explorer program is for you. To learn more, head to thefootcollective.com forward slash explorer to learn more. The link is in the show notes. All right, well, here we are again. In a different location. Different location. Better location, I would say. I would say it's better location. We're out in nature, a little bit of sun. There's a slight breeze, so if anyone is hearing wind in the microphone, do apologize. We tested it before. It wasn't too bad. It sounded all right. Hopefully, the audio is fine for all of you listening. And But yeah, obviously, you're back with me and Tom, and we're exploring ankle sprains in this episode. Very, very common one. I've had many, many myself. Oh, I've had 10. I Have reckon. you had 10? Yeah. For, for wow, five that's a lot of sprains. Oh, way too many, man. <laughs> but oh. thankfully, like none in like the last five years. Yeah, okay. Same, same. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to talk about that actually. Yeah. Um, but 10 of the same side? Nah, or five each. Five each, yeah. really? 
Yeah, even so, split. Yeah, is it even split, even keel. I yeah. when I was sixteen, I had three in a year, two on one. Same. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> I had three on one side in the year. Oh. That put me off soccer. Yeah, I tell you what. Yeah, now that's what caused mine. Yeah, soccer. Yeah. yeah, pretty, uh, pretty intense. Um, and yeah, they sort of seem. Uh, you, you know, you might because they're so common. You might sort of think of them as a bit of a. Innocuous. You know, like innocuous. No one, like, no yeah, one. it's just an ankle sprain. Mm. But they can really end up uh, a problem for a lot of people and it can restrict your ability to play sport. You can uh, Some people end up with sort of chronic instability, just meaning their ankle doesn't recover um, its stability <laughs> over time. And it can also contribute... Well, for me, it I feel it's contributed to... Um, different issues in my knees as well, like a, a right knee problem that manifested uh, a couple of years after, and my right ankle has still never gained its full range. Of, it's still not quite the same as the left. Mm. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like the ankle sprain itself, because people recover pretty well mm. for the most part to get back to life. It's the sequelae of things that happen afterwards. It just it doesn't ever get talked about. It's like 10 or 20 years down the track. It's like, yeah, I had an ankle sprain when I was 16. But that untreated ankle sprain, range of motion reduced, the sort of awareness of your ankle is one thing. But like you said, the the things that happen at the knee, the hip and like the lower back because of that ankle sprain, they can take years to really pop up. Mm -hmm. And then it's, again, you're not about treating a root cause per se. It's just about, you need to understand that if you have someone you're treating a lower back or a hip or something that they had an ankle sprain 10, 20 years ago. It can be very important. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's like you said, it's not because the injury didn't heal as such. It's more that the function of that area didn't, wasn't rehabbed properly at the time or since. And therefore the lack of function in that area means other areas are having to change the way they're moving or compensate uh, to account for that. Mm. And that can leave you with inefficiencies in your system, which we've talked about on most of our podcasts. <clears throat> um, which you know may not may not necessarily directly cause issues as such. Obviously, all pain and injuries tend to be multifactorial, but it can definitely contribute. And we are here to help you navigate. Mm. If you've had an ankle sprain recently, or if you have had one in the past and not sure if you rehabbed it properly, um, yeah, this is going to be a good overall guide for you to um, take some next steps. Um, but yeah, speaking of it being common, I actually hadn't seen this stat before, uh, but apparently 20 in the US, 25,000 every day ankle sprains. Which is that, that crazy. Would, which, that is crazy to think about. That's on average, but when you account for, that's 8 million, I think it's over 8 million a year. Well, they do have like over 300,000 people, people. Yeah. so therefore they have over 600 million ankles. Yeah. It's really not. A lot of That's that, relatively. True, yeah. Uh, but then again... But still, it's a lot in volume. It's yeah. Too many ankle sprains. It's a, it's a lot of ankle sprains. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Ratio-wise, maybe not huge, but just when you think about it in pure terms of 8 million ankle sprains every year, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and... We'll, ta- we'll tag onto that, like the, the other data that we found. This one's from the Netherlands, so... 85% of them are on the outside, so the like yep. uh, outside ankle sprain, the one that most people are common with, the inversion ankle sprain. Like That's a lot of your ankle sprains coming from a very similar space, essentially. Mm-hmm. And 70% approximately of them are first-timers. So that means there are up to 30% of them are re-sprains. Yeah. So we joined that club. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, yeah and we... The <clears throat> that is a... We'll talk about risk factors... Mm later in the podcast but yeah it's it's quite a common thing for your ankle and like we talked about you do a sprain it's less stable and therefore you're more likely to sprain it again basically um makes sense but before we get into that let's actually talk about what what actually is an ankle sprain i think pretty much everyone would have heard of it um but let's dive into i guess the structures and what's what's really going on through there so 
Do you want to hit us up, Tony? I'll, I'll smack Mr. it up. Mr. Anatomy Man. Yes, I like some anat. Uh, so I think it's worth pointing out, there's probably like, uh, there's two main types of ankle sprains that everyone sort of is aware of, but I'd say we could probably break it down into say four different types of ankle sprains as we get there and we can just sort of judge them out. But with your ankle yourself, if you actually just look down at the ankle, you'll have this big sort of ankle bone on the inside and this ankle bone on the outside that most people will be able to see. That's your medial and lateral malleolus. Now that medial one is from your tibia, and then the lateral ones from your fibula and they essentially make up like the outside and inside part of the ankle joint and then when we look in that what's between it we have this lovely little bone called the talus which sits inside between those two bones and then under the talus we have the calcaneus now those sort of four bones really make up the ankle joint as we know it in the way it sort of wants to roll in roll out go up and down in its dorsiflexion plantar flexion and attaching you know any sort of bone to bone we have to have ligaments and mm-hmm. yeah, now and this is where most people will understand that when they have an ankle injury or ankle sprain you are spraining ligaments so if we start with the most common one the inversion one so the one on the outside if you were to look down to that lateral ankle bone you have three ligaments that go from the tip of that ankle bone in three different directions so if you sort of spread like your index finger middle finger and your ring finger out into you know as wide as you can that's kind of the way that they go so your middle finger would be the one that we call cfl which is just a ligament that goes straight down off the outside of that ankle bone down to the bone below so it's called cfl because it's looking at the the bones it attaches to so the c is for the calcaneus and then the f is for fibula so we have this calcaneofibula ligament very long words i much prefer the acronyms because it saves a lot of time but Again, you have that. That is the main sort of lateral ligament that you'll find. And then the other one that gets commonly heard is what we call the ATFL. So if we look at our index finger, it's just the, the, the first one. It's around the front. It's the one that gets hurt when you roll it inwards and you tend to turn your ankle, not just like under, but also inwards a little bit into what we call inversion. And it's commonly, commonly hurt in that process because most ankle sprains are never purely just under. You have this sort of under and inwards. And that's mm. why the ATFL is almost always involved in an ankle sprain. That's the one I did. Yeah, it's the one I did on both sides. And then there is one at the back, it's uh, called the PTFL. So essentially it just mirrors sort of the front ATFL, but it rarely ever gets injured. And the reason is to get the, the stress input into your ankle to go all the way to tear that one is very, very hard. Mm. So like when you think about what happens when your ankle rolls under and slightly in, you have to think from like most lateral or most outside to in, as to what structures are gonna cop all the load. And uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but you have you know these muscles that run down the side of their tendons, you have like these ligaments, and it often they start getting uh, torn as they get sprained from front to back. Mm. So you end up having just this yeah, enormous amount of effort to try and get back to that PTFL, which doesn't really happen. It's very, very rare to happen. I, I remember doing the research on it when we were in uni, because it was part of our research project and mostly happened with car crashes. Wow, that's yeah, it interesting. Took a lot of force. Yeah, yeah, it was super weird. So, huh. I mean, yeah, so the the mechanism that most people do an ankle sprain mm. through sports or even you know sometimes running and if they sort of hit a ditch or something like mm. that, then it's much more likely to have to injure that front ankle ligament. Yeah, and the the long and short of that is ligaments attach from bone to bone and tendons attach from muscle to bone. Mm. So the tendons obviously. An extension of the muscle they're connective tissue but they extend from the muscle to the bone and they move the bone so you could think of the tendons as providing sort of active stability to the joint so in that sense you know if you're starting to roll your ankle inwards then your muscles would react by trying to move in the opposite direction so to move you back to neutral mm. if your muscles can't react quick enough or they're not strong enough to deal with the I guess the load that is being placed on them, then the next sort of line of defense to keep stability in the joint is uh, is the ligaments. If the load is too much for those ligaments, they get stretched uh, and possibly torn. So that's basically what a sprain is, is an injury to the ligament, uh, which is attaching from the bone to bone. Mm. Yeah, it's very important to understand, like, you know, you just touched on it, like the muscle tendon, they're doing a job, the ligaments are doing the job. Yeah. Like your nervous system as a whole is trying to do a job to sort of prevent these things from happening. And they all work in conjunction to try and stop you from hurting yourself yeah. or from things from breaking. So, Exactly. Yeah. And um, the, uh, yes, well, the other one yeah. that e- gets uh, injured even less frequently, yeah. the, the deltoid. The deltoid. Now, 
yeah, without going through all the bits of the deltoid. There, <laughs> yeah. there, there, there are four strands there. So you take those three fingers we just did, add a fourth. It's a fanning system on the inside. So find that inside ankle bone, look down, and it fans out across. And again, the, the reason there's just different fans is it's all the same ligament. There just tends to be like different sort of bundles that sort of mm. seem to be a bit thicker that sort of go from that inside ankle bone down to the other bones. And the reason it's less likely to get injured is just that you often have, for most people, you have far more uh, movement to go into inversion than you do eversion, which yeah. is the foot going the other way. So it's just a lot harder for you to actually, again, stress those ligaments enough to cause a problem. Yeah. And I think it's, again, worth touching on there. Like the other two that do happen as well, you have one called the bifurcate ligament, which is like another sort of uh, lateral ankle sprain. It's more of a rolling than it is a complete inversion. It's a little bit tougher to describe with where the ligaments are, but it's just a little bit lower than those lateral ligaments. And again, it doesn't get hurt too frequently, but if you are someone who's had repetitive ankle sprains, it again is a structure that might try and stop you with these lateral ankle sprains. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, and possibly the longest one to rehab is the syndesmosis which mm. i'm sure some people have heard about or the classic high ankle sprain and again the reason it happens a lot less is you sort of take what we just said about the deltoid ligament or that sort of medial ankle sprain and then you have to really talk your foot out so far to really twist that talus which is in between your medial and lateral ankle bone to a place where you can really stretch them apart and there's a ligament in there a ITFL just to make the acronyms even more fun <laughs> they just again it gets hard to keep track yeah, of yeah <laughs> stretched and strained to a point where it then may you know rupture or do other things yeah. and again it does happen a lot in sport and I think that's the biggest take home that you learn about ankle sprains they often happen to anyone who's active yeah like you can't it, it is rare like you can have it when you, if you say trip in a ditch or trip off the gutter or stuff but a lot of these ankle sprains occur when you're pushing the, the limit of your body in some way mm. yeah yeah in in sort of especially when there's jumping and cutting involved changes of direction um and other bodies coming in at you changing the way you're landing that kind of thing yeah it's, it's a lot to integrate for a system risk yeah, yeah. um so now that we've covered what a sprain actually is, well, the, the other thing to cover is just that there's different grades of strains. Mm. So you probably, especially you, sorry, sprains. If you've had and strains, but <laughs> talking, talking about sprains here, um, so a ligament sprain will generally be classified grade one, two, or three. You've probably heard this if you've had a ligament sprain. Grade one is just a mild, you know, quite a mild tear, even just an overstretch of the ligament, you bounce back very quickly from that. It's, you've got minimal loss of function and, and really minimal loss of stability at that joint. It, pretty much no loss of actual stability, which is that function of that ligament. Then you've got your grade two, which is uh, more, more severe, but classified as a moderate tear that has, so obviously not a complete tear, but you'd still have some more loss of function in the joint and also some instability there present so you can test for these things so what tom was just talking about with all those different ligaments there's different ways that a physio or a healthcare provider can move your ankle to test whether there is a loss of stability um, or a loss of the function of that ligament so they would test the side that you injured and they'd test that against the side that you haven't injured and they would see if there's a difference in um, range of motion through that sort of particular movement and that would help them sort of figure out what grade of strain that is mm. and then obviously grade three is just a severe and complete tear of the ligament and you'll definitely have sort of frank loss of stability in the joint um as a result of that it's probably like worth pointing out like when when jim says tear like you know tear and sprain strain all these words get thrown around yeah. and when you go deep into like the weeds of the literature now like do people do get quite pedantic on the wording um but for the sake of it just remember like sprain is a ligament strain <coughs> is a muscle like it, you can go deeper than that and sometimes you can do these things without ever having like say the physical uh changes or traumas to the ligaments and that's why there are a lot of new models out now that talk about say the changes in what happens at the neurological level or mm. like the fatigue based level or all sorts of other things that, that, that constantly gets updated in the research you know but i do think it's really important to ground it in some simple ideas because if you go deeper as a practitioner it, it becomes a bit you can go very much, deep into the yeah, weeds yeah, yeah too deep and really the 
the key is in the management anyway. Mm. Obviously, you need to be aware of which structures can get injured and what you have to, um, I guess, rule out. And a, a big one there, which we're about to talk about, is like fractures. So mm. you want to make sure that you're not treating a fracture like it's a sprain. Mm. Um, and, you know, if, it, if there's a tendon strain or tendon issue in there, then you will you know, maybe have to do some more specific things for that specific mm. tendon and muscle as well. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's really about figuring out what's happened and what the best plan of action is from mm. there, which, which we are mm. going to talk about. So a, a sprain, the typical symptoms, obviously you're going to have some kind of acute injury. You've, for ex- a com- very common example, I think maybe the most common example is like a jumping landing sprain. You've landed on the outside of your foot. There's a lot of force going through there and your ankle is rolled and you haven't had enough um, strength or stability or reaction time to stop that rolling. <clears throat> so then you come off the field or, you know, whatever, where, wherever you've done it and you've got pain, you've got some swelling coming on. Generally, there's going to be redness and heat and some loss of function in the area. So that's the classic signs of inflammation. Classic signs of most injuries. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that is because inflammation is a healing response to injury. So that is your body's normal and appropriate response to an acute injury mm. is to have acute inflammation. It comes in to clean it up and then to put the things in place to allow you to actually rehab and repair. Yeah. So inflammation isn't a bad thing by any means. If you have, this is something we've talked about in the past, if there's chronic inflammation, systemic inflammation, as in your whole body has much higher inflammation than, mm. it, than it should, then that is a problem, a big problem for your health overall. But for inf- inflamed areas as a result of an injury is very normal and, and actually something you want for proper healing. It's the same as like the, the stress thing, right? Like if you look at stress and inflammation acutely, they can be very beneficial. And in yeah. fact, for most things, you kind of need them. Absolutely. But chronically, when they're sort of just left unleashed, that, that is a problematic thing for your entire system as a whole. So, mm. so yeah, stress stress needs to be resolved. Inflammation needs to be resolved. And in a, in a natural environment and a, in a natural lifestyle, and that is what happens. The classic example with stress is if you're being chased by a, a lion or whatever the, whatever is most likely to be chasing you, um, then yeah, you better you better hope you've got some good stress chemicals to get you get you out of there, um, and that would activate all of your fight and flight response. It would pass a lot of blood into your muscles and into your yeah musculoskeletal system and really sort of focus you in to this narrow goal of avoiding getting eaten. Um, Staying alive is the goal, number one, I think, for the nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. And so at that point in time, you really don't care about resting and digesting. If if you've just had a meal and you suddenly get start start getting chased by a lion or a tiger then you better believe your body's diverting its energy to your muscles rather than your digestive system so that's that's the premise there but if your body or mind or you know if you, if you sort of are under more constant chronic stress that your body can't differentiate then yeah you might end up with digestive issues you might end up with um yeah various manifestations of the fact that you haven't been able to get back into your rest and digest Mm -hmm. and same kind of thing goes for inflammation if you have an injury then you're going to need the inflammation to come through to get all of the injured and dead cells out of the area to bring in repair nutrients and molecules everything to basically heal that injury and then you would expect that to then resolve Mm. Uh, and the swelling would go down the redness would go down the pain would go down and so on in a in a natural condition you would expect that and we will talk about uh in a bit how to help maximize that process or help optimize that process um which spoiler alert isn't the rice protocol no (laughs) um but let's before we do get stuck into that let's just quickly chat about things which we briefly mentioned about um differentiating between a sprain and something like a fracture which is really important because you won't treat a fracture like you would a sprain i think that's the key point right like the reason so we use this term differential diagnosis in 
the healthcare world quite a bit because if if we think that it's x and we start treating you like it's x but it ends up being y that can be quite problematic so really early on you want to know what's going on mm. so like we want to identify if you've done an inversion ankle sprain have you sprained the ligaments or not and if not like what else is going on in there and this is why you know the first thing and you think worst case type scenario we're thinking of fractures per se and we have this thing called the ottawa ankle rule now it's it's pretty simple you essentially your healthcare practitioner will often run through it with you without ever telling you about it mm. it's just where you have those ankle bones the medial and lateral ankle bones we talked about you essentially can palpate slash touch down sort of the last six centimeters or so of both of them and if they're tender it suggests it's a positive sign now granted this is also true that if you the other two points on your navicular so it's like the bone on the inside just above like your arch often it's quite pokey quite bony that is your navicular and then on the fifth metatarsal so again on your fifth toe coming all the way back you'll feel again tenderness on those spots now i really want to point out that there is a lot of what we call false positives with this test because Mm -hmm. if you've rolled your ankle almost all of those spots will be tender because there is tendons there's ligaments attaching and just the mechanisms by which we sprain them you often get these little impactions around the bone such as the navicular so and and there's a lot of inflammation and swelling in the area mm, which makes everything feel tender super sensitive so it's not that this is the end all and be all but it's definitely something to just be on the alert for and what you'll find for the most part if if someone listens to your story and they listen to the injury they'll often know pretty quickly based on what you've said and the way it's presented or the way it presented to you before you came in whether or not they need to investigate for a fracture yeah. and again so those, those four sites the sort of inside ankle bone the lateral ankle bone the fifth metatarsal and then the navicular the, the four key sites that you often find them so it's definitely worth noting that and again whilst it's still similar rish um, to the ankle sort of sprain itself an avulsion fracture which is where particularly the ligaments of the say atfl or cfl on that lateral ankle pull a little chip of bone off so rather than the ligament breaking or you're sort of rupturing in any particular point the bone it, it has pulled the bone off yeah. and that can again be very useful to understand because that little bony ossicle that little bony chip can impact the way your ankle moves and it definitely is sensitive and definitely uncomfortable yeah and over time if you know you do things right sometimes it stays there on sprains i know i've had one on both sides and they're both gone so that the ossicle itself is just oh, you've dissolved. had an avulsion fracture yeah yeah right and the uh, ossicle is just like dissolved which is what will happen because it doesn't have any blood doesn't have anything giving it nutrients so it just dies and it fades across time I've had the the, body knows what to do yeah the ankle sprains uh, scan just to prove it because you know I like mucking around (laughs) myself but yeah yeah, which is really cool so I think that's definitely worth knowing and then the other big ones are again what you've got in there muscle and tendon tears now uh, I think I was saying to you just before we started like when your ankle rolls in, as an example, you have to think of what's going to stop it first and foremost. And that primary factor is going to most likely be active. Mm. It's going to be like the tendon attaching to try and stop the motion from going further. So you will naturally have some form of issue pop up with your perineals on the outside if you try to roll your ankle in or any of the muscles that are on the inside if you have a medial ankle sprain. Mm. So tip post, the big toe tendon and little toe tendons. And it can kind of go one of two ways, which is not super clinical in saying it, but like if your ankle wants to go all the way in, there's this natural rebound of your perineal to want to pull it back. So sometimes you can find it's, it's kind of locked up, it's quite tense because it's trying to reduce the movement from going back in mm. into ankle inversion. The same can be said if you, know, you roll with inwards, it might have copped a wicked stretch. And because it's copped a wicked stretch, it doesn't mean it's torn or uh, the tendon's torn or the muscle's torn, but that stretch may make it feel like it's a little bit in a lengthened position where it just it's unable to contract and go back into the shortened position because it's just really sensitive every time it contracts Mm. so it can go one of two ways and it's sort of very incident specific but again it's worth knowing that the muscles and tendons before the ligaments will often cop a bit of a strain and again you need to differentially diagnose which ones are more important but what you'll find is that if you have a ligament injury you probably have a muscle tendon injury of some description how severe that is again it's going to be really dependent on the person yeah yeah and um you know as as for pretty much all of the injuries and again if if you have if you're listening to this and you have had an acute ankle sprain or an ankle injury then of course we just recommend going having it checked out by a professional um we're not here to diagnose you but it's a very good sign if you're able to bear some weight Mm. on the area if you're able to you know, it might not be taking your full body weight, 
But if you can't tolerate putting any weight onto that foot, then that's usually a good sign that you should go and have it. You should definitely go and have it checked out. Well, I actually have a case study for you okay, on, we on Wednesday in clinic. So we had this exact exact thing happen. So a guy playing rugby had an inversion ankle sprain. He's had a history of them. He's had multiple ankle inversion mm-hmm. sprains. He's had it x-rayed in the past. He, you know, obviously he's been through this process. He said he, he, when it happened, so he was sort of running. He went to step. He just went over on it and then someone landed on it. So he was quite uh, frightened. He couldn't get up straight away. He, you know, he thought he heard noises and all sorts of stuff happened. So when he comes to my clinic, it's two weeks down the track. The ankle itself doesn't look that bad from a swelling perspective. It is swollen, but it's it's like mild level swelling. Yeah. But he's limping and he, it's hurting and it's not feeling mm. comfortable. So we go through the whole process. Um, so we checked like the other ankle rules are all positive and he's not just like positive for sensitivity. Like he's jumping. I'm like, yeah. this isn't optimal at all. As in jumping through the roof yeah as in like I touch it it really really (laughs) hurts not actually jumping no (laughs) and then when we test the the knee to wall test so when you put your foot near a wall and you try and take your knee to wall to see how much ankle dorsiflexion you have he had minus 2 centimetres so not good compared to 7 on the other side so not optimal so we went through some like hands on therapy and a bit of movement we got it from minus 2 all the way back up to 5 centimetres wow now that's not mystical or magical that's a seven centimeter gain but that's a nervous system response yeah so his nervous system had freaked out based on the fact that he'd had this before he was concerned about a fracture there's finals footy coming up in a couple of weeks like there are a whole host of these other factors that play into his experience didn't limp out walked out fine there you go and that's kind of like to the point you you could still be limping and it's still definitely worth checking out and maybe investigating but if you've you know like us you've had multiple sometimes that nervous system just freaks out about the potential of what could be wrong more than actually what's happened yeah absolutely yeah that's it's a really good point often the yeah through sort of being you could call it overprotective the nervous system can often make it seem like an injury is worse than it is and often what all you need is some proof or someone to tell you no it's not that bad whether that's from a scan it might be a scan it's like no there's no fracture it's just a sprain um or someone like a practitioner like tom going okay well let's test all these things let's see if we can improve it if that guy had a fractured ankle there's no way you would have gotten that near a wall i don't think no to and, and so and we still same <laughs> for investigations because he's a rugby player and we needed yeah. to get confirmation for coaches and stuff yeah. but again the fra- it came back clear completely yeah. fine but yeah and, so, and we knew that kind of after we did it but it's just to sort of cross off some stuff as you go through the process yeah yeah so yeah long story short when in doubt go and get it sussed out mm. go probably go to you know you don't have to run right rush straight out to a, a scan mm. obviously you'd go to a professional first they'll they'll check it out and they'll they'll give you some advice whether you need to go and get a scan um so risk factors uh yeah, we kind of touched on this already. Obviously, being physically active, there's risks to being physically active. There's probably more risks to not being physically active. Um, but obviously, if you're doing sports that involve a lot of jumping, a lot of cutting, a lot of body contact, that kind of thing, then you're going to be at a higher risk of ankle sprains and pretty much all injuries. Let's mm. be let's be real. Yep. Um, does that mean you should not play? We don't think so. You should do what you like. Playing's fun. And try and, be, try and get your body in as good shape as possible to deal with that. Obviously, previous injury is a massive one. We touched on that. When you sprain an ankle, and especially if you don't do some really good rehab, then the structures... So, first of all, there's a period of time where you're not moving that area as much, anywhere near as much, and you're actually loading the, the sort of opposite side to compensate for that. So, you end up with reduced capacity you're not using it therefore you're losing it um now therefore if you don't do specific targeted training to build that back up then you're going to generally go through life and sport where you're compensating on that other side more because there's a loss of function on the injured side or the previously injured side so it makes a lot of sense that that side or that area is more likely to be injured in the future and we'll touch that, on that when we get to the rehab section as to how to probably look about that. Because I think that's a very, uh, not misunderstood point as much these days, but probably just not practically applied as well as it probably could be to really get people back to you know where they were pre-injury. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, of course, we're going to talk about footwear. Um, we, footwear we always podcast. do. Footwear. Yes. Um, but 
when you the, probably the biggest thing with footwear is if you think about heel height on a shoe and a lot of that just comes down to leverage so if there's more height on a heel it actually gives you basically a lever a, a more of a it's called a moment arm but oh, physics <laughs> yeah. we love some physics loves physics <laughs> um we don't have to get too deep on it but literally if you okay here's a here's a really good example if you're in a high heel versus barefoot where, what do you think is going to be more likely to sprain your ankle? Ooh, I'm going to option A. <laughs> oh, it's just sort of intuitive. It's like there's a there's more height. As you start to roll out, then there's more leverage to keep rolling you out, basically. Mm. So any heel on a shoe up to that stiletto high heel level is going to do that to some degree. And... The less heel the shoe, the less degree that will be. <laughs> because physics. Because physics. We like physics. Um, so, for me, I'm just going to talk from personal experience. And oh, the other thing actually with footwear is the narrow narrowness of the Which footwear. Which is most so sports shoes. Most sports, boots, cleats, all of these sh- um, shoes and boots are narrow which reduces your base of support which means your foot and ankle complex is inherently has less stability again physics oh yeah to probably probably touch on your story i think the, the point there is like you know a lot of people watch you balance on a beam or on a soulmate right and like they go oh, that's really cool like yeah if you think about jim balancing on a beam with a, a wide splayed foot he has a lot of surface area to put that foot on the beam to try and stay balanced you squish up that foot it's like it's getting squished there's not as much surface area it's really hard to balance with a really squished foot on a beam anyone who's ever tried it who's been used to wearing dress shoes will know that yeah straight well, away and the reason a beam is hard to balance on is because it's narrow mm. <laughs> so if you narrow your foot and you're trying to do these really um, powerful quick quick agile mm. movements then you're going to put yourself at greater risk of injury it's it's pretty much that simple um i'd be interested if anyone disagreed with that please let us know if you disagree with that um (laughs) but yes so footwear and for me ever since so i had those three ankle sprains and i'm sure i had i'd had them before that year but i just remember having the three in grade 12 when i was 16 or 17 and I didn't really rehab them properly. I don't think I had the best physio, frankly, who I saw. He, he used a lot of ultrasound, a lot of electrotherapy, a bit of massage. Didn't really... He gave me like a few token balance drills. But since then, I uh, always felt pretty cautious around that ankle. Felt like it needed more protection. I didn't really feel very confident on it. Mm. And... Then when I started getting a lot more barefoot and wearing barefoot shoes, this was in uni, and then I actually started doing a lot of pistol squats, I would notice that every time I would start to roll my ankle, like there'd be times where I could feel the ankle starting to roll and my body would just immediately flick it back. And uh, I would say even more so recently, there's been a few times, and it's all been while barefoot, I've jumped up and whether it's a a change in angle on the ground or whatever reason playing Hackmanton is a, is a classic example great game um, I'll jump up I'll land in that inversion position and be like oh I'm, that's definitely you know you get that split second thought that's going to sprain my ankle and it flicks back and it's a bit sensitive for maybe 10-20 minutes and then it's absolutely fine I reckon I've so, done that twice across the last probably three years yeah once was hiking in Spain and the yeah. other was hiking up a creek out at O'Reilly's yeah whereas like I'm like I'm convinced I rolled my ankle and it was very sensitive but it was like 5-10 minutes later play on play on there's no problem so there's there's probably a couple of elements to that I think the like we talked about the lower the heel height the less moment arm and therefore the more ability your muscles will have to bring you back into that neutral position to avoid a ligament strain so you might have had like a bit of a stretch of the muscle but you haven't actually sprained a ligament Mm. The other aspect, I think, is the sensitivity. So you're, when you don't have a big cushioned, healed, uh, rigid cast on your foot, then you actually feel what's going on on the ground. And the quicker you feel something, the more likely you'll be able to react to it. And if anyone likes math, you just remember 33 joints, 100 ligaments, 26 muscles slash tendons, and they all give feedback to your nervous system. Now, the moment any of it moves, 
there's more feedback. You get a lot less feedback when you don't move it, yeah. when you're in a big cushioned shoe. So your, your nervous system is essentially always trying to solve movement problems. And that may sound weird to some, but like you speaking is a movement problem. You breathing is a movement problem. Your eyes looking is a movement problem. And if you give it the better feedback or it internally can give itself better feedback, you'll have far better results. Yeah. Here's a good, here's a good little analogy for you. Would you rather be playing throw and catch with a brick with a, a semi-transparent blindfold on or just normal, just no no, <laughs> no blindfold or say, just glasses? I think for us, we might actually take option A. I reckon it'd be quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> or even, you know, whatever, just throw and catch, just... Pick anything where you're using your eyes. Mm. You're gonna want them at full function because that's how they're supposed to. Function. That's how they're supposed to function. You Probably don't want to. You, you don't want to blindfold, and, you, and you, you don't want any kind of obstruction to your vision because you need to be able to see the ball to catch it. Mm. So it's the same kind of thing goes for your feet. There are there are a lot of sensors in the feet, in the skin, in the muscles, in the ligaments. All of these sensors telling you what's going on at the foot and ankle. And if you disrupt that sensation by putting a cast on, a rigid, heeled, narrow cast that is called footwear, <laughs> uh, or modern, modern footwear, conventional footwear, then, yeah, you're going to disrupt those signals and you're going to have a, a much worse chance of reacting appropriately. Mm. Okay. Now that we've covered that, you've had an ankle sprain. What do you do? Oofed. I mean, rice. Yeah, rice it. <laughs> Who, hands up if we know rice. <laughs> so pretty much everyone knows yeah. rice. That's the acronym rest, ice, compression, elevation. That's what I got told to do. That's what pretty much every athlete, I guess, over the last 20 to f- uh, however long, 20 to 50 years. I did physio been. like eight years ago, and that's what I got told. That's, to yeah, do. that's what we got. Yeah. I think maybe actually when I went through, we were getting told ricer. Oh, yeah, the extra R, referral. I remember. Oh, Ooh. referral, yeah, yes. Yeah. I was about Ooh. to say, I can't remember what that was. And then there's Pricer and then Police, apparently. I missed the Police phase. Protect, Optimal, Load, Ice, Compression, Elevate. Okay, there you go. So I paid attention in school. <laughs> wow, I did. <laughs> Clearly. Um, but now it's a new acronym and I'm hopefully they're going to stick with it. It's very thorough. It's longer. <laughs> it's, so long. it's Peace and Love. I quite like it. I quite like it. And I also, I kind of like it more just because I know the guys who came up with it. Do I you? actually know JF. Really? Uh, yes. So my tutor uh, slash my mentor originally, oh, no Chantel, she went to uni with him and I did his running uh, course when he came out to Australia. And I've spoken to him periodically online from time to time because he's from Canada, from Quebec. True. So That's he's a good claim to, to fame. I know, I'm pretty big. <laughs> so when it came out, I, I, I sent it straight to him. And, I, and my first reaction is, like, I had to laugh because it, it's so long. It's, it's very thorough and it's very good, but I... It's just long. Yeah. You just got to remember it. Yeah. Peace and love. So we might as well go yeah. through them. So protect. P is for protect. You want to protect the... Especially in acute injury, you don't want to just go and do everything that you have been doing. You need some level of relative rest. You need to protect it from aggravating activities. And even a good way to think about protect is like if you're someone who is not so bodily in tune or it's a first injury, you kind of want to be slightly protective until you get confirmation. Because Mm. again, like we said, if it's a fracture versus a ligament sprain, it's going to be treated differently. And until you know, it's probably not worth, you know, doing anything that's going to hurt it. Yeah. So protect it. Uh, I would also say, I think... I think one of the original or earlier acronyms, they talk about relative rest. Yeah. And so, you know, just avoid aggravating activities. doesn't mean you have to avoid everything, but if you can do anything without aggravating it, that's better than nothing generally. So that might be the tiniest little ankle circles where you're just, just moving it a little bit, but that's going to help keep, that's going to help resolve the inflammation in the long term. But if, if you're doing something and it's like, ah, 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 just stop doing that thing. Now you said, I think the price of one was a relative rest. Yeah. It may have been protect yeah, relative, protect, rest, relative rest, rest versus rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. E. Elevate. Elevate. So we kept, they kept that one. Yeah. Because it's not a bad one. So again, like when you, uh, most people know intuitively when things are swelling, like if you just elevate it, gravity will help you do a job of trying to minimize the, the swelling. Now, interestingly enough, in the world of sports, there is still a lot of, um, which we'll get to the C part, of elevating that occurs when they do acute injuries because whilst the inflammatory process is really, really good, 
all the extra swelling can actually be a little bit detrimental in terms of keeping mm. joints moving and, and keeping the health of the surrounding tissues. So they try to uh, compress, which we'll get to the area quite a bit to minimize the swelling, but don't take the anti-inflammatories or anything to allow you to still keep the, the area moving to some degree. Yeah. So we, yeah. So that's the, that's the E and the A. Yeah. A is avoid anti-inflammatories. Which is probably counterintuitive for a lot of people. Yeah, I think a lot of people have an injury and they pop some anti-inflams because, yeah, it would make them feel a bit better. Well, it makes sense in your head. You get inflammation. I don't want that. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, like we said at the start or earlier, you actually do want that inflammation. You don't want to avoid that process. You want it. You need it. You need it. You actually need it. Um, So, yeah, just cop the pain Mm. or if you absolutely can't cop the pain, then just use a uh, pain medication that isn't anti-inflammatory and that and that is where like historically any sort of pressure like you know putting a hand on heat ice all sorts of things have been useful for pain because again like they just change the way the brain interprets the area which changes the way the pain signals interpreted mm-hmm. so it's, it's just worth being knowing like, there's heaps of things you can do for that pain and discomfort that aren't medication yeah if, if that is something that is you really like really struggling with yeah um yeah but if you simply must take a pill just make it a panadol not a neurofin type thing because yeah don't stop the inflammation yeah but this is not medical advice no <laughs> see a doctor <laughs> if you if you need pain medication um next up compression oh, if, but if the doctor tells you to take anti-inflammatories you talk to him about it <laughs> talk to him about it yeah uh compression same kind of thing it just helps to resolve some of that swelling which as tom said can be a little bit counterproductive um and back to back to the protect and what we we're talking about the move as much movement as you can do without aggravating it that is also going to be really helpful for dealing with the swelling also pain and pain yeah yeah so i believe it or not <laughs> yeah I, all right. it, it is it is that sort of case where like the protect aspect elevate avoid anti-inflammatories compression they also it's all around the same sort of stuff if you keep moving things within pain-free ranges you help protect it because you're helping facilitate better movement you're getting rid of swelling you're not ruining the inflammation i think it's just it's nice for the nervous system i think that's what when you compress something like you you Mm. do get the reminder to protect it in some way too because it's like hey this is not 100 percent the same which in the long term again is not optimal but in the short term can be very beneficial for not hurting the area yeah yeah absolutely and then last one of peace is education so this is basically just around i think i think there's a little bit of double up in these in these um acronyms and which is they're so thorough Mm. that there's like a double up on the important points i think Mm. um had two e's had to figure out something but yeah just sprains you know ankle sprains and pretty much all Ligament injuries tend to get better um, with, you know, a simple conservative approach, consistent rehab, mm. all of that. So, basically, this point is around uh, understanding what you need to do and understanding that there is a clear path forward and it's not the end of the world that mm. you've had this injury, uh, is my understanding of this education. Well, we're still here and we've had, you know, more than a dozen between us. Yeah, and look what uh, I can uh, do. Yeah. Look what we can do. <laughs> Heaps of stuff. Um... So that's peace and then love. So maybe run through all the letters first because okay. this one might be a little bit more complicated for people. Yeah. I as think. in just like L is for load. O is for optimism. V is for vascularization. And E is for exercise. A third E. So <laughs> yeah, this is it's kind of what I mean. A couple, bit of double up, but load like air we've talked about it before one of the early podcasts loads or movements are like nutrients for the body it's like feeding feeding the body sometimes there's a role for for feeding the body less or for fasting Mm. and that can be therapeutic probably not long term you don't want to fast for you know two years yeah (laughs) but it's kind of where load and protect are very similar. Yeah, like you got to yeah. protect it from not loading it too much, but yeah. you kind of need to load it to a point. You also so. need to protect it from not loading it enough. Yeah. So load is important, and again, it just comes back to gradually adding more and more load as your body can tolerate it. So pain is basically your guide there. Your body knows what to do. It'll let you know if it's too much load. You'll either feel it during or you'll feel it after and you'll go, oh, that was too much load. Doesn't mean that you've re-injured it. Doesn't mean anything like that. It's just that was a little bit too much load. 
Um, and next time I'm going to back off. I'm going to rest it, relative rest it, elevate it, all of that. Mm. And then next time I'll keep, I'll, um, you know, go a bit more gradually. Mm. And that, again, relates into the optimism side of things, which, like I said, there's a bit of double up with the education, but it's it comes back to that, hey, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and, when, and, and like, again, with, with the load part, like if you move in a certain way, that provides proof of work to your nervous system that A, I am okay, and B, this doesn't hurt that much, yeah. you will feel far more optimistic. Yeah. And there's a lot of psychology that goes into the experience of pain. So the more optimistic you feel about an injury, the more in control and confident you feel about your ability to bounce back, the less pain you'll feel, and generally the faster you'll bounce back. Mm. So that's what this optimism point is about. Vascularization big word just means blood flow basically get more blood flow to the area which comes with loading which and comes moving. with loading yeah that's pretty much the only way yeah um things don't get blood flow if you don't move them yeah that's yeah. probably key so again if you think that just keeping something completely still is going to be good then hopefully that v makes a lot of sense because like jim said before we need the inflammation and the only way that all those markers get there is through flowing of fluid and blood vessels and such. So yeah. you need to keep moving in some capacity. And then the only way the waste products are going to get out is through more flow. Mm. So more movement. And like like I said, this is exactly what we would have in nature. Yeah. I think, I, I reckon, it'd be, I, don't, I haven't looked at a study. I'm not sure if they've done studies and probably not, but I should probably look into it. But tribal populations who are barefoot, and don't play sports I reckon they'd have like zero ankle sprains well I mean statistically <laughs> I would say in one sense yes because there's far less of them right like per number there would be that yeah many. per number I think but even like, um, even percentage wise yeah. I'd be surprised if they had any frankly I feel like they'd have just more like they'd have more traumatic injuries like, yeah they'd be like, getting stabbed yeah, and, yeah worse things would happen and, it, Tigers. and bitten and, and stuff mm. anyway um, the last letter E E exercise different word for load Different word for, I know, yeah. But you had to, you had to work it. Yeah, make it had, work had with three peace and love. to work by the you end can't of have, it. You can't have peace and love. No, love. <laughs> A bit British. Uh, peace and love. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, exercise, and I guess you know, lo- loading. Maybe you can think about loading as in loading in more your daily activities, walking around on it more, etc. Standing on it more. Um, and exercise you can think of as more targeted rehab so exercise could probably come more towards the well it's, you're still doing it all the way through mm. but yeah exercise is a is a really targeted specific way to add more load into an area so mm. that's an important thing to do as part of the rehab process and we're going to give you a few tips on what to think about for that process right now oh I love that part this is my favourite part <laughs> everyone's favourite yeah. part so I think I, I think hope. when you Again, you look at your broad categories here, mobility, flexibility, balance slash proprioception, so knowing where you are in space, strength, power, endurance, like all these broad categories, you need to consider all of them in the context of whatever it is like the, A, the main goal for you is as a person. So often as a practitioner, the first goal is to get you back to functioning for life and then getting back to your sport or whatever that is. So when we come into it, when we look at it, you really want to think locally and how can I apply all those principles locally around the ankle sprain itself? Mm-hmm. And then how can I apply that to the greater context of my body, which is a very, you know, there's a lot of joints, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of coordination that goes on. We're very multi-segmental movement humans. So you have to have a bit of both. I think, yeah, simply put at the start, those little movements where you're protecting it and you're loading it lightly, they are going to be super gentle. They might just mm. be your, your ankle moving up and down, in and out, circles, drawing alphabets, doing whatever you can just to promote positive movement that doesn't hurt, help with the swelling, and just, again, not annoying it. And then seeing how far you can take that. So, like, whether that's standing up and doing the same thing with some knee circles or, like, these sort of, like, uh, B stance or offset sort of knee circles, which is just moving your ankle through different ranges in weight-bearing, going to be very useful and very important particularly at the start and then as that progresses it can again depends on the grade depends on the goal but we really want to start looking at how can we firstly think about rehabbing this ligament in the context of like building some stuff back to build the structure back and then putting that into context so this is something we were saying before if you did nothing literally nothing part of that ligament will just grow back and it will be there because your body wants to heal itself. Mm. Now, the problem with that is that it's very haphazard. It'll just put down stuff because like Jim said before, historically speaking, it doesn't it didn't matter where that stuff went 
per se. You just needed stuff to be able to keep functioning. Whereas now we have sports, we have these specific demands for a, a lot of people. If you need to be cutting and sprinting and doing stuff in sport and jumping, we need to make sure the ligament can do that. So you want to be making sure you're putting enough load and sufficient load in certain directions to really teach this ligament, teach your sort of biological self to load the ligament and put ground tissue in in the right angles. Mm. One point on that as well is as throughout our evolution, there was no option to stop moving. No. <laughs> you stop moving, you die. <laughs> so it's not a... Nat- it's actually a modern phenomenon that we even have the opportunity to just go on bed rest and it's as a very modern phenomenon for that to be recommended for people with injuries and it's also probably a bit more harsh but like the people who were actually injured if they couldn't be easily supported by the tribe they kind of just got left slash well, they yeah. just died that's just what ha- <laughs> yeah like yeah. It's, it's, it's harsh but that's just what happened yeah yeah and it yeah if you get a yeah like I said, I don't think there was many ankle sprains no. <laughs> back then. But yeah, if you if you've got a an injury that means you can't move, then you know your tribe is going to look after you as much as possible. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you if you never get back to moving, uh, then yeah, it, yeah, basically you would be moving as much as possible. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just intuitive. If you if you see a an animal with an injury, they just limp around mm. like. Don't stop. Yeah, if it's like fully fractured, they're just going to be lying down and calling for help, <laughs> calling for help. But they're just going to otherwise they're just going to move around it until it's better, and then it's better. And and if it's not go. better, they just keep moving to survive. Yeah. Whereas yeah, again, exactly. they're, yeah. they're not trying to play soccer or football or yeah, something like yeah. it's a completely different it's game. Be, it's a different game. So I, I think that's the first thing you need to lay down some structure in for that ligament. So there's a lot of great isometric work, a lot of great work through range that you can do to start building back the capacity of the ligament itself. I think that's the first bit. That, you know, anything to add before we move to the next bit? Well, how do you mean? What do you mean, build back the capacity of the ligament? So let's say the ligament's there, and we have let's say it's grade one or two. So when we say sprains or tears or whichever word you put to it, there are some of those ligamentous fibers, those collagen fibers that have been torn. So we want to say, hey, body, can you please fix those in that mm. direct line now? In the, yeah. Yeah, and each each of those sort of ligaments, they have a rough sort of directionality to them. So I want to put forces straight down in that direction. So just, for example, if you're just doing, say, uh, TheraBand inversion, eversion exercises or up and downs, A, that's not going to be hard enough to create the force you need to really help the ligament. And B, it's not specific. It's yeah. not specifically the line. So you need to, or well, with the practitioner particularly, figure out which ligaments are the problems or the ones that have had damage. And we want to then go and try to really rehab them and try to make them as robust as we possibly can. Yeah, I think that's the best idea without yeah. going into the exact aspect of how to do it but yeah 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 so a lot of people once they've had an inversion ankle sprain for instance then they actually avoid inversion yeah and that's going to be big on the rehab yeah that's that's like a a real problem because then that ligament never builds uh resilience in that range Mm. and therefore you're going to be at even greater risk risk. you've lost some inversion you don't go into inversion you lose some more inversion use it or lose it and all of a sudden you try to play the sport again which is what a lot of people do and injuries happen more frequently hence the recurrence rate yeah Yeah. and it's not that you can stop the recurrence rate per se but it seems that if you actually do stuff about it it definitely happens less yeah if it's the right stuff so i think that's the first thing think locally first think locally restore range of motion Mm. and resilience in those ranges of motion and that's when you can start to layer it with other exercises taking into account again the stuff that may have happened to the muscle tendons and really thinking do i need to do some endurance work so lots of reps of something or do i need to do strength for certain specific exercises or are we good and we kind of just need to start jumping and like doing plyometric work like that's going to be very specific and again, often, and you sort of mentioned before, a lot of people get given balance exercises, which are really good. Like we need those balance exercises to challenge us and challenge the ankle to learn a how to feel stable and react in certain conditions. And again, changing the surfaces or changing like, you know, the beam or the soulmate, changing on the grass to the in clinic. They're all just different inputs. And the more resilient you can make the ligament and, and the body understanding, because that's like the whole body coordination, mm. right? It's like, oh, I've built the stuff back. Now I'm really just integrating my ankle back with my body. Yeah. And something with that as well, like there's balance is kind of an expression of a lot of different senses and, and um, I guess, m- motor or movement integrations. But proprioception is that sort of sixth 
sense mm. or this sense that comes from the receptors within our um, ligaments and within our tendons and our nerves and all of these areas and so it kind of it's basically what allows us to sense where our body is in space without actually um, seeing it and or consciously thinking about or it. consciously thinking about it, exactly and so what happens with when there's an injury like an ankle sprain is you actually lose some proprioception in that area the ligaments being sprained and um, you know possibly damaged and you lose a little bit of that proprioceptive capacity so you have to build that back so doing balance exercises is good but then also doing balance exercises while you're moving your body around in different you don't want to just want to stand on one leg just standing on one leg but you also want to do it with eyes closed and you want to do it with um, you know trying to event this is sort of progressive but eventually you'd be trying to do it with throwing and catching something especially if that's relevant to your sport um, but just trying to challenge your visual and vestibular system uh, such that your proprioceptive system can do more work and then and get back to the to the same as it was before or even better and i think that's what one of the where the biggest trick is often left on the table for so many people doing this is like they do the single leg balance or they do it with their eyes closed and that's where it stops and it's, yeah. it's never really rehabbed enough back into context of their sport yeah so again like this may sound silly but i do think it's really good to train your eyes closed because it does challenge your system so particularly the, the proprioceptive system so the muscle ligaments tendons and such to work harder but in the sporting world if i'm playing like afl i need to be able to run look kick and duck and do all these things which is all again in some point there's going to be a lot of balance and proprioception required yeah so you need to put that work back in context of whatever it is you're trying to get back 100%, into yeah yeah so uh and in that sense you know you'd also You'd also want to do a lot of that with boots on. And this is where the sort of return to sport kind of concept makes sense. Like, like we've just said, boots are a bit of a risk factor for, for sprains. But you're going to be playing in boots. So mm. you might as well get used to jumping doing in that. them. And that's where uh, some balance training on more of a narrow surface. So yes, people, you see a lot of people doing cushioned surfaces. But narrow surface might be even better because you build up that ability to balance and react to uh, on that narrow surface which you'll essentially be on a narrow surface when you're in a boot yeah and i think like i think we spoke of this before we came on like i prefer the the beam soulmate than any sort of foam or half bosu balls for that reason because those unstable surfaces whilst you know your ankle's moving heaps it's an unstable surface so your body tends to lock up a lot more mm. like and the same can happen on a a narrow surface but the narrow surface doesn't move and it still allows better feedback particularly to try and challenge that ankle the ligament and the coordination as we then progress that out into the field yeah like again there's a time and place for all exercises but it's not as simple as you've had an ankle sprain i'm going to get you on some foam just for the sake of it like yeah it needs to be a bit more clinically reasoned as to why you're going to do that and when yeah yeah and um we sort of touched on it but well, i think you already did touch mm. on it but strength mm. Sometimes just slow, isolated strength training, like doing some calf raises, you know, loading up your calf raises, loading up some tib raises just to restore strength and range of motion to those sort of key ranges of motion like plantar flexion, dorsiflexion. That can be important. And then, like you said, you don't want to just do the raises. You want to make sure that that then integrates into, you know, a powerful jump and a good controlled landing. Um, well, actually, like it's about force propulsion and force absorption yeah. with the jumping stuff, which we talk about a lot with walking and moving. And I think one fun, I mean, I've played with this a lot, particularly since I got home from Spain, is like doing calf raises at strange angles. Yeah. Like, you know, don't just do a calf. Everyone just does calf raises straight up and down, and they always do the same looking calf raises. It's like just turn your foot slightly inwards, 15 degrees, and you feel it's different, and the way yeah. it targets tissue is different. And, and you might start to get a bit of a stretch. In, in, mm. I, I'm a big fan of like an in an inversion eversion calf yeah. raise where you go up onto your big toe in full eversion and then roll out into inversion as you come down and vi it's like it's kind of hard to explain but um i'm sure we've, we've got some videos about you if you've done videos it's the same yeah. as when you do your push-up on the back of your wrist like you know yeah yeah like, you really there's all movements that are possible and like if you can do it it's okay to do it you just need to be sure you're ready your body's ready to go there yeah start slow mm. Uh, it's, it's basically the keys to pretty much any musculoskeletal rehab is start slow, load up gradually, then start to build in some speed, power, more load, and then put it into context. Yes. Yeah. 
Is that, is that we're going to wrap that up there? I'm about to say, that seems, that seems like a mic drop. Yeah, we, it sounds like a mic drop. <laughs> um, Except for in nature, you can't really drop the mic. No, no. Uh, but that, that does pretty much wrap it up, actually. And it's, it's been quite a long, quite a long potty. We really got on a, got on a good roll there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Ankle sprains, who would have thought? Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I hope that helps. I hope, I hope um, you've gotten some value out of that, all of you listening. Uh, if you, you know, if you've had a sprain, or, you know, like I said, one in the past, or you know someone that's had a sprain, please share this out to them. Uh, because even if you had the sprain two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, all of those same principles that we just talked about with the rehab, you can still apply. And you probably should. You should. To be honest. Uh, yeah, not yeah. can. You should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you really should. And you might want to do some tests of where your ankle's at now. Sometimes you, you, you may not have tested side to side and seen if there's a difference between the sides. Um, you might want to work with a, a professional. Tom and I both have online consults available, um, limited slots, but they are available. And otherwise, we are about to have a TFC Pro directory as well on our website, which is really exciting. Um, or you might just have a trusted health professional in your area um, but yeah usually that's the best place to go if you mm. if you know someone is good and active minded and can help you with this might be a strength and conditioning coach who knows could be us there could be anyone could be, yeah. there's heaps of really really good people there's a lot of there. good practitioners out there it doesn't have to be a physio um, but do something <laughs> <laughs> do peace and love but, peace and love <laughs> if you've had it acutely do good rehab slow progressive rehab and and have a goal in mind so that, that's the one thing as well I've been getting kind of deep on it you need something that's fun that you can look forward to you don't want to just be rehabbing for the sake of rehabbing no. and for the goal, sake of goals and intentions are huge yeah it's like they besides setting the way post and the way forward they actually give you purpose and we yeah. know that if you have purpose let's go back to peace and love for a second <laughs> uh, purpose allows you to have better optimism yeah, because you know what you're trying to do. Like there is, there is something you're fighting for. And it gives it gives you direction to the load that you're placing your body on. Like, you you kind of need that. We're inherently we inherently want to conserve energy. So if there's no if there's no deeper purpose aside from like, oh, I just want my right ankle to function like my left ankle. It's like, yeah, but why? Mm. Go just go layers deeper. Why? Yeah. Oh, because I want to play sport. Why do you want to play sport? Get really clear on that direction, oh. that purpose. And that will really help you on the path because it's it's a long it's a long road, yeah. <laughs> rehab and body working on your body. It's a long path. Can confirm. I'm, I'm still dealing with oh, it. Oh, same. Yeah, same. It's just still still happening. It's a journey, and it's not linear. And you have to have uh, you have to have fun things that get you jazzed up to look forward to. Otherwise, I can pretty much guarantee you're not going to continue no. doing it. You'll stop. You get yeah. bored. Yeah, but you just but you have to. You got to keep moving. Move it. Or lose it. Oh, shit. That's a second mic drop. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's actually drop the mic there. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you've got topics you want us to cover, please send them through to us. We love hearing from you. Um, if you're struggling, like I said, TFC Pro, Tom and I are an example. Uh, we've also got the community that you can join and ask questions and the Explorer membership if you'd like to go even deeper into a whole body holistic approach 42 to days of absolute fun the true the real journey mm. um, great alright catch you next episode uh, adios everyone adios Ow. thanks for listening to the Restore to Explore podcast to stay up to date with all things TFC join our brand new free community Inside, you'll find a growing library of education, training, and resources to help you resolve common conditions, restore natural function, and explore your body's potential with a community that's there to support you along the way. To join, just head to thefootcollective.com or you'll find the link in our show notes.